0: Season four of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. All right, everyone, let me tell you how psyched I am that our partners at the National Mango Board are back. They were with us season two, and we're all very excited to have them back on board, especially my wife, because she knows I'll have our kitchen fully stocked with mangoes. And our new twins, because they're digging the mangoes, too. Anyhow, I digress. Did you know that mangoes are the most commonly consumed fruit in the world? Love these little stats. Or did you know that they've been cultivated for over 5,000 years? How about their endless health benefits? I could go on and on and on, but actually one of the cooler things is is that they're available all year round. What does that mean for you? It means that every day is mango season. Six different varieties in the US, have some fun with it. I've done this myself, buy a few different varieties. If you see them in the store, do a little side-by-side taste test, see which one you like the most. I love mangoes, as I mentioned. I love them in tons of different ways, but I'll tell you something I'm obsessed with right now. There's a Malaysian restaurant in Chicago called Sarai, and they have a mango chicken dish on the menu. Delicious. Okay, here's something else pretty cool. Mango industry empowers farmers in regions around the world who for generations have been growing mangoes. There's endless ways to enjoy mangoes, like I said, so if you need a little more mango inspo or want to learn more about National Mango Board, Check out mango.org or follow them on social media at Mango Board. National Mango Board, we thank you. We got started, but before we get
1: started, uh-huh. you, you may have been like, who's this horribly dressed guy with. Actually, each- I was going to ask you, can we talk about your Adidas for a second? Yeah, because I've never seen them. Tell me everything about them. They are the Pharrell, are Pharrell. Yeah, Pharrell so. Stan
0: Smith collab. And these are like a year or two old. They're very good. They're so comfortable.
1: Were you about to make fun of your own personal style or something? Yeah, because that's my wife's job, and she does. No, that you all look the time. great, and you have freaking Pharrell limited edition, Adidas. Amazing. Who like everyone loves an Adidas. I'm literally wearing Continentals right now. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, ham and cheese on an Adidas shoe. You yeah, had? Yeah. That's in brilliant. French. And then I have Speedy Popo, which is my uh, my nickname in college. I'm not going to ask. No. Not worth it. Okay, good. If you know Sean King, um <laughs> I'll ask Sean. I'll leave it at that. You yeah. can ask him.
0: Welcome to Be on the Plate, a podcast where we sit down with the world's culinary lead to explore their journey with food and their passion for giving back. I'm Cappy, and in this week's episode, we sat with Anthony Peroski. Do I even have to say who this man is? He's Queer Eye's food and wine connoisseur. We caught up in a lobby of a hotel in Chicago while he was coming through town on book tour, and we shot the stuff. I brought him pierogies. He has a Polish background. I brought him stuffed cabbage, both of these from one of my favorite neighborhood Polish restaurants in Chicago. I also brought him a special message in Polish from a Polish grandmother. So essentially... I started off on the right foot. We talk food, cooking, how he got into cooking. We talk about Poland. We talk about Canada, where he grew up. We also talk about his brand new New York Times best-selling cookbook, Anthony in the Kitchen. And my favorite part, to be honest, wait until he goes off on his social impact commitments, his dedication to pride, to hunger in America, to suicide prevention. Talk about using your voice for good, I'm going to stop right now, but please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with Anthony Prosky.
1: Yeah, there we go. Okay. Just for anybody who doesn't get to see this slash everybody, because there are no cameras (laughs) making a lovely iced almond milk latte. How does oat milk? Is it oat milk?
0: It's almond. No, but you,
1: aren't you an oat milk guy? I'm obsessed with Oatly. Yeah. Because it's so
0: thick. I'll tell you something. Chobani is working on an oat milk that I saw at a restaurant show that's not for sale yet. I was like, you guys make this
1: now? And they're like, well, it's not out. We're just testing it. And it was really good. But it's interesting that a dairy company is making. Wow. wow. Yeah. Has yeah. anyone, has a dairy company ever done? I assume Oatly hasn't because their name is literally Oat. Right. Um, <laughs> but wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to check it out. I'm obs- I, I love my dairy, but I'm obsessed with oat milk. Yeah, it's excellent. so good. Yeah. Also, City Harvest. I know you've done work yeah. with them. I've done a lot of work with their leadership
0: council and stuff. So we'll oh, get awesome. into a little bit of that. But sure. Thank you. Your voice for a cause like that is incredible. So oh, well,
1: they're 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 an important one. Yeah.
0: So this isn't like leftover food. This is actually food from one of my favorite Polish restaurants in Chicago.
1: What did you get? It's pierogies and stuffed cabbage I knew it was goompki because I see the tomato sauce Sticking out of the side of the, of the, of the styrofoam It's from a restaurant called Pod Holanka. Oh my gosh But beyond Are you just bragging that you
0: picked up Polish food? Well I'm kind of bragging but also It's a woman who owns it She's had this restaurant for 33 years And she made a video for you
1: Stop I don't know what she said Oh my gosh she's going to speak in Polish Okay You know what? I'm also wearing headphones, so (laughs) that's not really good. It doesn't work that way.
2: I've had this restaurant
1: for 33 years. She's from Krakow. I have a huge family. I love my my job. We
2: make everything from Uh, scratch here. Homemade soups, soups,
1: goumpki, nadeshniki, crepes, pierogies.
2: Oh, a lot of places don't make their own. I'm proud of what I like and I love what I do.
1: And I really like producing all of it. I really love my clients
2: you're going to be happy about the fact that you're
1: going to try my food and you're going to have a good time in chicago Chicago, eating it chicago is a special city it's a beautiful city
2: a great city there used to be a lot of polish restaurants but now there aren't most of
1: them is closed, but in the north, there's.
2: I'm sending you
1: love and I hope I wish you have a, a really nice time. And so she's wearing a coral, kind of like a knit t shirt with a black apron. And she has uh, pretty much an Anna Wintour haircut. Yes. And she could not look more Polish. <laughs> yeah. How amazing. I love this woman. Oh gosh. If I wasn't trying to translate so quickly, I probably would have gotten emotional. And Polish babcia for me are like.
0: I told her. "Uh, Just say hi, Anthony. Welcome to Chicago. I hope you like my food. And
1: like a minute later, she was still going. I was like, I hope she's being nice. (laughs) She was being very (laughs) nice, but there was a little like uh, a little underlying message about gentrification in there without really saying it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, That that's happened. I get where she is. Yeah. Yeah. You grew up in Canada. Grew up in Canada. Polish roots. That's Clearly. Yep, that's
1: why I was able to translate. Yes, yeah. you so weren't guessing. First, um, first, uh, first language that I learned, even though my parents were born, my father was born in uh, Brussels, my mother was born in Warsaw, and then I was the first one of my family born outside of Europe. But I had to learn, like Polish was the first language I learned. And really? then French came after, and then English came from TV. Growing up, tell us what your family table was like. Was there family dinner? Oh yeah, absolutely. But I'm trying to think like special occasion or on any given night any given night any given night okay well i'll start with breakfast oh so my dad doesn't cook well he he cooks now but he didn't really cook growing up except for barbecue season which is um, basically six weeks in the summer in montreal when there isn't eight feet of snow um slight exaggeration (laughs) uh but he would make breakfast and for breakfast we always had a massive spread of fruit and so we would have like whole papaya with a bit of salt and lime juice mm-hmm. and then like he would just cut everything up and have like a big I always went after the berries because I was obsessed with blackberries tons of charcuterie Wait, a lot of cheeses how often was this this was like every weekend Saturday and Sunday wow yeah amazing um so we always had a really big breakfast spread sometimes eggs but we didn't really eat eggs hmm. it was more of like a. I I guess is that called a continental where it's like you don't have to cook things yeah it's like our version of a peroski version of a continental breakfast <laughs> And then for dinner, my mother um, would go to town all the time. like It was always at least like a, 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 two, a two or three course situation mm. where um, my parents would travel a lot. So they would come back with recipes and so uh, they would come back with dishes from different places. Like when they went to Morocco, they came back and we had tagine for a month. When she'd come back from Poland, we would have all kinds of cheeses and things that she would bring back from there. And um, Ossipec, which was, this is a very Polish episode today. I don't only eat Polish food. I just want to throw that out there except we're in Chicago and you brought me Polish food. That's so right. it's like the topic at hand. That's right. Ossipek is a smoked cheese. Um, that has a beautiful little, like a, a nice ambery ra- uh, rind on it, and you put it on a pan, and it melts, and it just gets crispy along the edges. It's like super smoky. Interesting. And then you have it with kind of like lingonberry or some kind of like a cranberry type jam situation, and it's a great little hors d'oeuvre. It's literally just cheese and jam. I need to Not look at it. Not even any this. bread. I need to um, look I'm into. I'm sure it. they have some great oscipek in yeah in, 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 in Chicago. It's O S C Y P E K. So then we would have like a nice little yeah. It would it would really be based on where my parents would go traveling, and that sort of like what we would eat for a while.
0: Was there a connection to food with your mom or
1: dad? Um connect, like No, not at all. No, my father's a physician and my mother was a model and then she studied medicine, but she never practiced. Who was in charge in the kitchen? My mother and no one else. Really? Yeah. Did you help her? Nope. Wasn't allowed. Never? Nope. You weren't allowed? Wasn't allowed. <laughs> so would sit and watch. Were you tempted? So she was very... Where she like, get out of the kitchen? It was just more, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel welcome in the kitchen where it was just sort of like that was clearly her turf. She served the plates. She brought them to the table like it was her thing. Huh. And I judge like for a long time it really frustrated me in my 20s but then I realized I'm the exact same way it's very hard for me to ask for help in the kitchen because I like things to be done a certain way but I'm I'm learning to so if you're in a party and 10 people come in what can I do you're like just go go. I'm getting better because some people some people are just being polite and that's when it's like you know what just stand around the counter have some like cheese and charcuterie and just you can go change the music if you want or light some candles but some people genuinely want to help and they should be able to yeah Um, I I feel like it, it, it makes people feel like they're 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 part of the process they can learn something and they feel like they've created something as well i can be very collaborative in in, in a lot of different things and a lot of different like parts of my work but in the kitchen it's that's a challenge because i just like to i just want it to be a very specific way i agree with you i'm this i'm similar it's hard yeah but to me Nasrat make makes everyone cook when they come over that's not easy though it's uh, not I'm easy I'm
0: team anthony here you're self-taught in the kitchen though
1: yes how did you learn? I learned when I was no longer living with my parents. So I was, I guess I was like 17 or 18, and I moved out. I was starting university or, or maybe a year into it. And I moved in with my college buddy, Nabil. And his parents were in, in Beirut and in Budapest. And then my parents were between the US and Canada. And we were just basically like these lost boys who like had to fend for themselves. Um, it wasn't that bad. It was a really nice condo, but I'm um, making it a lot more dramatic than it needs to be. But, um, but we, we, we didn't want to just like eat pizza every single night, and like we, we, we knew what it was like having nice home-cooked meals growing up. So I, the first thing I ever made was like an eggplant parm, because that's what he wanted, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. The oil was cold when I put the eggplant in, so it was just a mushy, oily mess. But then I learned that the oil has to be hot. And that you don't just put it in breadcrumbs because that just doesn't cling to eggplant and you have to salt your eggplant to release the moisture to like concentrate the flavors. And it was like, so it was just kind of like figuring it out as I went along and just watching, you know, YouTube videos and reading cookbooks. And then I was just, I was, I was always extremely curious and I would try something whether, and this I've been doing since I was a little kid, like I would try something at a restaurant and be like, okay, well, I want to try, like, I tried halibut with, um, like a corn salsa for the first time. And then I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I noticed that there was like, I think a bit of speck or, or, or like koto ham or something. And then I was like, oh wow, meat with fish that actually really works well. And then I would just try to like experiment with that as I kind of got older. Was there a first thing you ever cooked as a kid or did you really not get going in the kitchen till later on? I really didn't. I just I really so there's (laughs) there's something here there there's um, I was always obsessed with cheese and there's this thing I don't know if it still exists but it's basically we weren't allowed to have junk food at home and the closest thing to it was this cheese brand called imperial cheese and it was a red plastic tub with a black lid and they sold it at Costco because you can get the larger one it was basically very fancy sharp cheese whiz but it was very dense. And so I would put it in a bowl and microwave it until it was almost burnt so that it would get crispy along the edges. And I would eat the crispy bits and then microwave it again and then dip a couple of crackers in it, but basically only eat the cheese. That was my quote unquote cooking. Yeah, this is genius though. There's a cheese here. It's made in Wisconsin, I believe, called Merck's.
0: Have Uh you heard of this? No. It's like super sharp, spreadable cheese in a lot of the Chicago style hot dog stands that we have here use it for their french fries or burgers but what happens they leave it the tub it comes in a the tub yeah. they leave it in the steam table so it gets like pliable like mixable pliable uh. it's
1: Incredibly addicting and delicious. It's so and nice, and this is and what, what it, reminds it, it me. It burns <laughs> along the edges, especially. And I'm not here to promote microwave usage, <laughs> but like that was that was probably the first thing that I ever made. I Love it. Or like Kraft Dinner mac and cheese when my parents were traveling and we had somebody who took care of us and she let us eat food like that. Yeah. And then I would add my own cheese to it because it was never enough cheese. I love this.
0: Hey, everyone. So sorry to interrupt. Wanted to really quickly share a little about Cook Tracks because you may have seen this pop up into your feed if you subscribe to Be on the Plate. Cook Tracks is a project we've been working on for well over a year now. It's a brand new way to cook. So if you follow at CookTracks on Instagram, you may have noticed a lot of people are starting to cook along with these episodes and really enjoying it. So if you haven't checked it out, give Cook Tracks a listen or a cook. In each episode, a chef for culinary personality is right alongside you. Well, kind of. You're listening to them, so they're in your ear, taking you step-by-step through a dish or a meal in real time. So you're going to hear tips, tricks, stories to keep you entertained while you're really upping your cooking game so no recipe reading needed no pausing playing a video stopping starting it's fantastic we currently have six episodes with some of the best chefs and cooks we know rachel ray gail simmons rocco dispirito stephanie Iser, jimmy papadopoulos for more information and updates check out cooktracks.com or on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on okay thanks for listening Okay, so into the food world as a chef, a cook, you,
1: you worked in restaurants. Yes? yes. What was your first restaurant job? First restaurant job was it was a group of of these three restaurants owned by um, by these like Italian guys in uh, in <laughs> Montreal and it was uh, it was one was called Mediterraneo, one was called Baila and then Buenanote. and Buenonote is where I ended up and it was basically a supper club. So they had all Italian chefs in the kitchen. Real deal pizza oven, fresh pasta, awesome, very traditional Italian food. That's where I started learning how to speak Italian, because I've always been interested in food and languages as well. You so speak I speak Italian? I can read in Italian and I can understand, but speaking it like it's like tennis. It's like if you don't do it, then I have to like practice it and then it comes to me. You're making me feel real bad. You speak but you know like what? three languages yeah, but plus I, most plus. of the time I don't really know what city I'm in. I don't know directions to my own apartment and I um, and and I get lost all the time. So uh i it's all uh, it, it, it balances itself three, four out languages Oh, well <laughs> 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 all right, all right, all right. Um, back to your so, first job. <laughs> So Buona I was a busboy there and then I was a runner. And then that's, being a runner was when I really got interested because I got to be in the kitchen more and I used to watch the chefs prepare because as a busser, you're just running front to back and you're just cleaning things up all the time. But with a runner, you get to present the dish and you get to explain it. Mm. And that's when I got to explain food in Italian, which mm. was like, I've always had, I've had two envies in my life, Italian and Jewish envy. And so I got to pretend to be Italian and speak Italian whenever I was serving these dishes. So that was like, it was, it felt like a dream job at the time. Hilarious. Yeah. Now I'm curious about the Jewish envy, being a Jew. Okay, so I took 23 andme me recently, and I found out I'm 5% Ashkenazi. Really? Which, a little disappointing, because I was really hoping for double digits, <laughs> but it's... It's still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. How exciting. It is it is really exciting because it makes, it just makes sense because I've always had Jewish friends growing up. I've always been drawn to Jewish people. And so to have like, to have that validation is really, yeah. yeah. I love that. So you loved working in restaurants, explaining the dishes. Do you miss it? Um, there was, I mean, it was a different time in my life. I mean, working in restaurants, not to generalize, but a lot of us like, you know, it's, it's a different life. Like you go out after you're done with your shift. It's right. like a manic rush and you don't just go home and go to sleep. Maybe right. if you're a normal person, but I am not that. <laughs> and so I'd be I would I was studying, I was studying psychology, taking acting classes after after my university studies, like during the day. And then at night I would go work in a restaurant and then I would go out. So Jeez. I was sleeping like three to four hours a night, but I was like living my best life. I was loving it at the time. Okay. So can we talk about the village den? Yeah. Tell us about the Village Den. Um, so <laughs> Village Den was a beloved diner in New York, right on the corner of 7th Avenue and Greenwich. And, you know, I had uh, two buddies of mine, Eric uh, Marks and Lyle Richards, who um, run oh, the Metro group. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and so we, we, were, we have this really obnoxiously douchey name of a little club called Workout Club. And we just basically go with different trainers in the city. And we do little workout classes and we do like the from spin classes to um, like calisthenics stuff to to like rumble to literally anything. We just kind of run around the city in the mornings and we always wanted a place that we wanted to go munch afterwards Mm. instead of going to their restaurant Wayfair uptown all the time. We found out that Village Den was closing, unfortunately, as most diners are in New York, and there was a lease opportunity. So we decided to take over and we wanted to open up like our dream was always like have a place that just has like the kind of food that we want to eat after working out when we're, famished starving but just not feel like human garbage afterwards and so we kind of just jumped on it and then I spent they carry like they take over in terms of like operations and logistics and all of that and I'm purely focused on food and and menu development which I'd never done before Um, as most things I've never done until about two years ago so (laughs) do um, you enjoy that part of it? I loved it That's I loved it I mean it's the initial it was so many edits because I came up with all of like what my dream recipes would be then they were like no you have to use a sweet potato like in four different dishes, you can't just use it in one. Uh, that's not how restaurants yeah. like that work. And they cut out. I mean, oh yeah, I think yeah, no, they cut out all the dairy because it's like a healthy, you know, oh, spot. And a lot of people are on the non-dairy train now, unfortunately. And I myself leave dairy for weekends and I go aggressive on a nice cheese board. But during the week, I tend to stay away from it, and it actually keeps me going longer, and I don't get as sleepy. Really? Yeah, dairy and carbs. You go no dairy, no carbs during the week. During the week, I mean. If there's like a great loaf in front of me, I will. I'm not super, you know. And weekends, you're like. Frick, give me, cheese. Just give me a freaking baguette. Yeah, give, give me a, like a, a shome or like the stinkiest ass cheese you can find, <laughs> and like let's find a fig spread and just oh god, go to town. I feel like I'm gonna have that for dinner tonight. Just latkes on Saturdays there and Sundays, like yeah. whatever. I, I have no hold spart on sour weekends. cream, sour cream and applesauce on latkes or no separate. I like applesauce, but if I have like if I have four latkes, I'll have three with sour cream, and then I'll have one with applesauce. Interesting. I have a family in uh, South Florida, and they do
0: sugar on their lo- Cause Have you heard this? I love sugar on lock. Okay, I've so, never
1: heard about it. So Stash Cafe, the Polish restaurant where I worked in Montreal um, years after Bonanote, they have the Naliszniki, which are the crepes, which your lovely friend was mentioning in the video. Um, Polish people take full-fat sour cream, a little bit of vanilla, and sugar. Hmm. It's tangy and so good. I have like a backlog of things I have to eat and make after it's this. It's so good. And you put that on latkes and it's freaking awesome. It's so nice. And now I need to go to the village den and... On weekdays. Yeah, on weekdays. And then you can cook, I don't know if this is the segue or not, but you can cook from Anthony in the kitchen on the weekends. There, we're
0: we're going to get there. We're going to get there.
1: <laughs> um, I've heard you talk about food being romantic. Risotto, omelets, explain. I mean, I think food, I mean, food is so many things, but I think it is incredibly romantic. There's something very like intimate and sensual about eating. It's something on a first date, you know, hopefully you go to a restaurant and it's not just drinks and you get to like share food together. It's also like a really good first test. You know, how often people say the beginning of a relationship like go on a trip, or maybe not the beginning, but a little later on. Maybe beginning if you're me, because I rush into things. But if you know, <laughs> like go really. to a re- go to if you go to a restaurant and you share a meal with someone, just knowing how they order, the kind of food that they eat, yeah. like is this someone I want to hang out with? Is this somebody who eats like me? So many people have crushes on you. Who's your celebrity crush? My celebrity crush. I don't. I don't think I have one right now I'll tell you who my first two crushes ever yeah. were well okay I have four <laughs> my first ever was probably Gwen Stefani when she was in No Doubt nice the video for I'm Just a Girl and then Aliyah, R.I.P but yeah. I just thought she was like the most stunning beautiful woman I'd ever seen in my love life that. and then things changed when I saw Cruel Intentions I think it's a 1996 or 1999 classic and I was um, very sort of confused because there was this awesome scene with Selma Blair and Sarah Michelle Geller. So I thought I loved both of them. But then there was also Ryan Philippi. So I wasn't really sure what the hell to think. <laughs> but that probably remains one of my favorite movies of all time from That's a good one. the musical score to the soundtrack to the styling, the way that they dressed. I don't know if they had the same stylist, but they, the clothing reminds me a lot of a wardrobe, reminds me a lot of Have You Seen Great Expectations? Gwyneth Paltrow and Ethan Hawke at their prime. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm not a huge movie guy. Okay, and you have Ra- to. See Rachel Great Expectations. Ray is a movie
0: person, so like every time I'm with her, she's like, "Cap, what's that movie?" I'm like, and now when she starts to ask, she's like, "Oh, screw you, you don't watch movies."
1: <laughs> Check out Great Expectations. Have you seen Cruel Intentions? Yes. Okay. Yes. Very. It's an important film. Yes, I'm gonna yeah. watch Great Expectations. You should watch it. You'll. I, I really think you'll love it. It's yeah. So let's talk about your book. Yeah, I don't even remember what the hell the question was. I just managed to go on. Celeb cr- crush. Oh, got it right. And then right, you right. get
0: movie reviews and wardrobe reviews. Sounds about right. It's very on brand for me. So, <laughs> Antony in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful book. Thank you. Why did you decide to write a book now? I think. Um, By the way, cheers on all your press and because you are like all over the oh, place awesome. and thank it's you, super exciting thank you yeah
1: yeah the, i mean the the idea for the book basically came along i tend to say I, I i say yes to a lot of things and i think you know being in this in 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 the food world was not something that i ever thought i would do publicly it was something that was always kind of more private so when queer i kind of came about I think it gave me, um, to use Jonathan Vanessa's expression, it gave me permission to to actually start thinking about those kinds of things. And and a cookbook was one that came up, and I was I, my reaction was like complete and utter fear when we started discussing it with uh, with my agents. And fear of what? I think the the fear came from the fact that I've never written a single recipe down, um, knowing that cookbooks are at least fifty recipes. I was thinking, like, oh, I definitely don't know fifty things to make. And just kind of like, yeah, there was just I was just and the, the amount of work that goes into it. I worked for Ted Allen. I know how much work and like months and how many people go into to the whole process. Yeah, it's, like, it it's kind of like, it
0: can be a grueling process, yeah. Like cookbook. So I, I I feel
1: what you're saying. Like it could inhibit fear. Yeah. And know? it was like right before we started filming our Kansas City episode, seasons three and four of Queer Eye. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a shit ton of work coming up with recipes. I've never measured anything in my life. Everything is always with my hand, which is like two normal people's handfuls. So it was like all of it just really intimidated me. But um, I also get, I really get off on fear. That's, you You know, know, kind of like when Queer Eye came about, I was also met with like a total paralyzing fear, but I decided to run for it anyway. How do you get through that? Oh, I go straight through. I'm like, if I'm like on the, if like the cliff is like, you don't like overanalyze into it. You're just like go. Oh, I sure do, but I like still run towards it. Like I really get off on just being like, oh, I, I love I love being uncomfortable in like awkward social situations or like a weird Uber driver. <laughs> like I always I want to engage with that person. I really? just want to see what they have to say. Yeah, so interesting. Or if like I speak to somebody who's um, who likes the show and comes up and says something nice, and if they're if they're like if there's something that feels a little off, like I'll talk to them for way too long. I'm that that guy. That's so cool. Because even if it's a terrible, even if it's like a weird kind of like interaction, it's still, uh, it still makes for a really good story. Got it. And life should be fun. For sure. You know? Um, So yeah, so the cookbook intimidated the hell out of me and I was thinking, oh, I would have to write it while I'm filming two seasons of Queer Eye. Perfect. Let's do it. So literally wrote the book with uh, Mindy Fox, who was in, uh, in Portland, Maine. On the East Coast, and we would FaceTime and call and text every day, all day, literally. From said, I would take five minutes break and text her, and she would give me an update on the recipe she was trying. And Amazing. I realized that I forgot to add two eggs or whatever it was, and then so it was like in constant communication. Wow. Let's let's transition really quick to social impact. Giving back a lot of what we do for this podcast yeah.
0: is that um, I know you've supported City Harvest, and I also see causes like the Trevor Project. Yeah. Can you share more about these organizations or projects? Or where you give your
1: support and why? Sure. I think, you know, when Queer Eye sort of came out and I started understanding the the definition or kind of like the meaning behind visibility and, um, you know, you have foundations that start reaching out to you. And we had meetings with... Glad, and um, Trevor Project was one of them as well. And like some of their reps decided to, to to sort of speak to us because we realized that we did have a voice. I want to say yes to everything, but what I'm learning is that I, I I really try to pick organizations and foundations that I can really get behind where I have some kind of a personal attachment because then nice. I'm able to promote it organically sure because i want to be careful with that kind of stuff just the way not to treat these as endorsements but like with an endorsement you try to pick something that fits and i try to do the same with everything and so city harvest was a natural fit there's a little bit of a lineage component because ted allen has talked about it for years working for him and he's hosted events for them and presented and, and and donated and given his time and social media efforts so that was one that was like a natural fit and i love everything that they stand for and i Think that there is a massive waste problem not only in grocery stores but in restaurants as well. And there's so many people who don't have food. I think No Kid Hungry is another really important one that I want to start working with as well. That I started with William Sonoma. Yeah, you did the special, um, right? Yes, I'm, I'm on it, their uh, leadership council. Oh, awesome, so no Kid awesome. Hungry. They're awesome. Trevor Project is a really important one as well. I had um, since. I first got my blue check on Instagram, and I realized that like people are watching. I've always had a suicide prevention hotline, and um, and recently I switched it over to Trevor Project just to get a little bit more LGBTQIA plus awareness. Yeah, I just try to I, I I just try to keep it as as honest as possible, so that I you know kind of I'm not an expert in the field, but it's something that I'm just kind of like figuring out as I go. Recently in um, in in a northern city of Poland called Białystok. They had their uh, their first Pride March ever, and people started uh, tagging me in these videos of of these marchers. I think there were, I want to say there were a thousand marchers, and then there were four thousand anti marchers. A lot of them from the Catholic Church who basically were throwing flour at these uh, marchers. And then I found out later on in some articles I read that they were actually had rocks thrown at them as well. And so people were tagging me on Twitter and I saw these videos and I was super triggered by it. And it just sort of, so that got me to like write a couple of op-eds for Washington Post. Good for you. So it's, you know, like the, the whole idea that because it's happening somewhere else, we're not really responsible for it is kind of bullshit. Yeah. And... The fact that I do have a Polish name, I have a lot of like young Polish people who reach out and are like, "Oh, I can't believe that you kept your name, but you definitely don't speak the language." I always want to respond and be like, "Yes, I know the language. I promise. I'm yeah. not as good as it as I was as a kid, but like I can still speak it." But I think it's always um, any opportunity I have to to do anything. Sometimes it's like physically going there, um, and sometimes it's just like social media is really insanely powerful. Like there was a petition being signed by All Out, which is a an, a worldwide organization, and they basically train people on how to be activists, on how to do it right so that they don't put their lives in danger and they know how to do it properly. And they started signing a petition now and they've received over 50,000 votes and they're going to be delivering it to the European Commission, which is a subsidiary or department of the European Union to basically threaten uh, funding to Poland if they don't do something about it. Wow. Because um, it's what's going on in Poland right now is just absolutely terrifying and it's hard to see it. It's like knowing like I've watched, I've walked pride recently in uh, last summer in Montreal safely yes, I'm on a show and I was protected and it's like a whole different experience than most people are able to have. But like knowing that other people were able to do it safely and then I did it in New York this year for Stonewall 50 safely. And then I see the country where my parents come from where people aren't able to do that. Like that's a really big disconnect and people should be able to do that freely wherever they can. And it was really shitty what happened there. But at the same time, we also have to address that this was their first pride march ever. So it was messy and it's not great. But the fact that they actually had their first one is pretty freaking awesome. And we have to like, continue to give a lot of attention and like put the spotlight on them so that people know that they can't behave that way. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing all that and and for your voice. That that goes a long
0: way as you are seeing. Um, That's important.
1: Let's lighten it up really quick. Mm -hmm. Speed round. What did you have for dinner last night? What did I have for dinner last night? Oh, I had Nando's. I had a Nando's chicken sandwich with three orders of halloumi, half a (laughs) container of the almonds and cashews. And then there was a halloumi salad and I just ate the halloumi and left the salad. And then I had four baby Swiss rolls that someone brought us from some really lovely bakery in Washington, D.C., and I had an, a black iced coffee that someone got me, but it had a lot of sugar in it, and I wish that it was black because I like my iced coffee black and bitter. Lovely. Yum. This, I'm so like I was missing something. Um, nope, that was it. Name a smell in the kitchen you love. Oh, lemon. If my lemons are getting old, I throw them in the freezer, and then I throw them in the in, in the in the garbage disposal thing. And then it makes your kitchen smell really nice. Brilliant tip alert. Name a smell in the kitchen you hate. Oh, chicken carcass when I don't have scented bags in the, in
0: the rubbish, in the garbage. <laughs> Canadian maple syrup or New York state maple syrup? Canadian. But what's better than Canadian? Vermont maple syrup. Oh, there you go. If you could help any celeb, athlete, actor, musician, politician create the ultimate dinner party, who would it
1: be? Not because I think they have anything wrong with them, but I would just want to hang out with her because 30 Rock is the greatest show ever written for television and Tina Fey is a living legend. Tina Fey. <laughs> Tina Fey. Closing.
0: You pick up a newspaper to read a review about your book. What does the headline say?
1: What? <laughs> I'm usually good at speed round. What does the headline that, 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 say? In all fairness, speed round ended. Oh, gotcha. The headline says, you know what? The headline is, um, I, I, it's going to be a story. Um, it's going to be a, basically whoever decided to write the headline wrote, I was inspired by the book to look back at my own culinary story and look at the dishes that have shaped me. Love it. Last, what advice do you want to give 2029 Anthony Profsky what are we 2019 so so 10 years from now you do not need an 18 bedroom Tuscan villa go with the three bedroom and don't eat so much pasta now that you're retired and living in Italy don't forget to eat your veggies I love it thank you again Thank we'll you for going. Go. I appreciate it.
0: This was super fun. Yeah, I appreciate I had a your blast. Time. Yeah, thank you. And thank again, you. thank you for all you do to give back for the different causes because it's hugely helpful. Your voice, your time, all
1: that good Thanks stuff. Thanks for saying so, that. Thank you. thank you. 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 Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome.
0: Quote. I want to say yes to everything, but what I'm learning is that I really try to pick organizations and foundations I can really get behind where I have some kind of personal attachment. Since I first got my blue check on Instagram and I realized people are watching, I've always had a suicide prevention hotline. Thanks again to Anthony Porofsky. Find more on him at antonyporofsky.com. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at OnCappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at btplatepodcast and Facebook. Thanks to our partners at Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Martin's was founded in the heart of Pennsylvania Dutch country in 1955. They are the number one branded hamburger bun in America. And as I like to say, they can make almost any burger taste better. Let's focus on the good old potato bread, everybody. You're going to hear a little bit about potato bread in next week's Just a Plate episode with Anthony because he talks about it. His is from a bakery that him and his dad go to in Vermont. But listen up, back in 1955, this is kind of how Martin started, out of a garage, literally. That's right, Martin's famous pastry shop is an all-American family-owned and operated company, and Lloyd and Lois Martin literally converted their garage into a small bakery. Hear more on that in Beyond the Plate Season 2, Episode 13 fan favorite episode everybody here's what i love about martins martins believes in giving back to their community they support hundreds of charitable organizations such as food banks after school programs disaster relief and others to learn more about martins visit their website at potato rolls.com or follow them on social at potato rolls martins we thank you this episode was produced by myself along with ian cohen joe Eaton, and sean petrosian thank you to tom osborne Our music has been composed by Goldford. As always, special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Join us next week for Just a Play when Anthony talks about his dad's ham sandwich. Basically, I ask him Polish ham or French ham, and he goes off into a ham sandwich recipe. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.